When my eldest daughter was five years old, she said something to me about heaven that has stuck with me. My father-in-law had died shortly before this conversation, and she had witnessed his long illness, and though his body was cremated and not buried, she had attended his funeral. We had talked about death and his absence and why her grandfather, her far-far, wasn't there to visit anymore. We were in the car one day a few weeks later, and her voice suddenly piped up from the back seat. Mom, we don't have to be sad when someone dies, because we can just go to heaven and visit them. So I asked how we would do that, and she answered, we just go to the graveyard and lift up the stone and go down the stairs and visit them. So she hadn't witnessed a burial, but she knew that people's bodies were buried in graveyards when they died. And she had also heard that people go to heaven when they die. So she had reached the quite logical conclusion that heaven was underground in the graveyard. And if someone we loved was right there in heaven, why wouldn't we go and visit them? So there was a lot to unpack in her statement. She was obviously struggling with the concept of death, as many of us do, especially when we're young, and also when we're not so young. One thing about this conversation that keeps returning to me is that it turned on its head the notion that heaven is in the sky, or at least somewhere in an upward direction. And indeed, in the first reading today, the story of Jesus' ascension, we heard that Jesus was lifted up, and the apostles were left gazing up toward heaven. I suppose that's a fine way to think about heaven. If we think of heaven as being away from the earth, away from the earth is upward. The thing is, we really don't know much about heaven. And this notion of heaven being away from the earth and God being in heaven can make God feel pretty distant from us. When Jesus ascended, it wasn't so that he could be distant from us. So why did he? Why did Jesus leave us for heaven at all? After all, he was hanging around after his resurrection, albeit in an unusual way. So there's this period of time between Jesus' resurrection and his ascension. We have this whole season of Easter in the church, seven weeks long after we celebrate the resurrection. And there are stories in the scriptures about Jesus' post-resurrection appearances to his followers, times that they saw and interacted with Jesus. So what was that all about? He was there, but not in the way that he had been. He was showing up in closed rooms, yet he was still able to eat food with them. He continued instructing them reminding them what the point of his life had been, what they were charged to do now. Jesus was showing his followers 
that his resurrection was real, and it was time for them to take up the work. Last Sunday morning at this time, I was down in the basement here at Trinity, sitting on the floor with a group of children in godly play. We're sharing a whole series of lessons with them, stories for the Easter season. Each of the lessons is a story from scripture about a post-resurrection appearance of Jesus. And I love the names of these lessons. The whole series together is called Knowing Jesus in a New Way. And taken all together, these lessons can help us understand possibly something about this in-between time, the period between Jesus' resurrection and his ascension. We've heard some of these stories here in church the last few weeks, stories about Jesus' followers struggling to comprehend what has happened and how to know the risen Jesus, to know him in a new way. The first of these godly play lessons is about the resurrection. And it's called Known in Absence, which seems like an oxymoron because how can we know something that isn't there? But the story is about the empty tomb, about how the women who went to the tomb found it empty and knew that something important had happened. They could feel his presence in the absence. And Mary met Jesus outside the tomb in some new way, for she couldn't touch him, but she knew it was he. And this is the beginning of knowing Jesus in a new way. And next we get the story about the two followers who met Jesus on the road to Emmaus, but they didn't know it was Jesus, even as he opened the scriptures to them as they walked. Do you remember how we were trapped in Egypt and Moses led us out through the water into freedom? Do you remember how we were trapped in our freedom in the desert? And God gave Moses the Ten Commandments to guide us. Do you remember how we were trapped in exile? And prophets said a child would lead us and that someone would come to suffer and die so that we might be really alive. But the two followers didn't recognize Jesus until he broke bread, gave thanks to God, and shared it with them. Known in the breaking of the bread. We experience this way of knowing Jesus every week right here at the altar rail. The next lesson is the story of Thomas, known in doubt, which again seems like an oxymoron. How can doubt be a way of knowing? But our questions are such important parts of learning, of trying to understand something so mysterious and wonderful as the resurrection. One of the lines from this story is, their minds were stretching, stretching, stretching to know Jesus 
in this new way. And it really feels like that sometimes, right? Can we stretch enough to even accept, much less know, Jesus in this new way? Next is known in the morning, the story of the disciples meeting Jesus on the shore of the Sea of Galilee after they had been fishing all night. This time they recognized him, but still felt a little awkward with this new Jesus. And Jesus does the most human, hospitable thing to put them at ease. He cooks and feeds them breakfast. He gives Peter the charge to tend the sheep. This kind of love and hospitality is a way we see and know Jesus in each other. The next story is titled Known in Making Him Known. It's sometimes called the Great Commission. Jesus is talking with the disciples and tells them what they are to do now. Jesus says, go and tell my story to everyone so that they can become a part of it. I know that to really tell a story well, it needs to be a part of me. There is a great sense of knowing when we tell a story that is part of our hearts. And finally, we have the lesson called Known in Waiting. This is the story we heard today in the reading from Acts, Jesus' Ascension. After Jesus blesses the disciples, he ascends into heaven, whatever that is. And as they stand there, looking into the sky, some people dressed in white say, why are you looking into the sky? This was Jesus. He's gone now, as you have known him. Maybe this is the point of this in-between time, to convince us that Jesus, as he was, is gone, but that he has left us with all sorts of ways of knowing him. The waiting part comes next, because Jesus had said that the Holy Spirit was coming to be with them. That's the last part of this series of stories, and it happens next week on Pentecost. So I won't give you any spoilers, but I'll tell you that next week is a good day to wear red to church. And when we tell the godly place story about baptism, we light a candle, the Christ candle. It's like the Paschal candle we have here, but a little smaller. It represents the light of Christ. And we light candles for everyone in the room from that one candle. And when the lesson is over, we need to extinguish the candles. But we never say that. In fact, we say we are not extinguishing the candles. We are not putting out the light. 
we are changing the light. Changing the light from being in that one spot, bright and easy to see, to a light that is different, that spreads out, fills up the space. And when you snuff a candle, you can see that little wisp of smoke that spreads out and fills up the room. You can watch it happen right here after the service. And when it's time to change the light of the Christ candle in godly clay, we use these words. There came a time when even the one light needed to change so that instead of being in one place in one time, it could be in all places in all times for all people. That light of Christ is there for you. It's here for you, however you might know or perceive it. We have so many ways of knowing Jesus. Our lives as Christians are journeys of knowing Jesus in new ways all the time. So why did Jesus leave for heaven? If Jesus, in his resurrected body, were still around, we would probably be like the apostles, standing there gazing at Jesus, waiting for him to say something, to do something. But the work is ours now. Jesus has given us the work of love to do right here, right now. We might not know where Jesus went. We might not understand anything about heaven or what comes in the life after this one. But we know we don't have to wait for that life to know Jesus. He's given us all sorts of ways to know him right now, here on this earth. 